All right, what's up? It's the Bober and Hanley Pro Football Podcast. As we get ready for the weekend, we get ready for week number 12 of the games. Man, week 12 uh, next week. Oh, it is 11. You're right, you're right. It's 11. Gosh, I'm jumping ahead. Thanksgiving will be week 12. Okay, there we go. See, Just a couple days, it'll be week 12. I know, short week and all too, which is always fun next week. So week 11, as that kicked off last night and it was a great matchup. We'll get to that one here in a little bit, but we're kind of looking at some of the NFL headlines right now. And Bober, the one I want to start off with is we assumed that Jameis Winston would be the guy for the New Orleans Saints this weekend. And, of course, all the breakdowns, uh, people talking about uh, what Jameis can bring to the offense. I was listening to Dominique Foxworth say yesterday that he thought Jameis could potentially be a uh, a bigger playmaker at quarterback than uh, than what Drew Brees has been lately. But it, here, here is the caveat. As long as Sean Payton can coach the turnovers out of Jameis Winston, mm. I, I just I, I feel like you know what if you've got the turnover thing, it's always a part of you. You can't really coach that out, but that might be a moot point because now we're here and it could be Taysom Hill starting, not Jameis Winston. Uh, you know, I'm a little surprised that Sean Payton showed his hand this early. Honestly, I don't know how it came about that he was announced as a starter, other than sometimes starting quarterbacks have to be like in certain media roles, but um. I, I, I would not be surprised if Jameis Winston plays um, some in this game, honestly, yeah. because um, Taysom Hill is, he's 30 years old. He's only thrown maybe a hundred touchdowns, hundred passes overall. So I don't think you expect him to go out there and, and run this offense nearly as good as Breeze does. He does bring the running aspect of course to this. So I wouldn't be surprised to see both him and Jameis Winston on, on the field at the same time. I, I do think it's a good thing because Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions last year yeah. and they're coming into a system that's very well defined. They have great playmakers. And I think that him not being in there and, and running it lead, could lead to more, more turnovers, right? Just the in uncertainty guys not being on the same page. So I see where uh, Sean Payne's going with this, but um, look for a heavy dose of Alvin Kamara, little short passes, a lot of, a lot of yeah. change ups in this game. I think Taysom Hill gives it a dynamic that means it's going to be more of a, probably a lower scoring game because they're going to want to control the clock and the ball. That's that's probably where I'd say it goes more than anything. Yeah, and you, you hit the, the key name for me is Alvin Kamara because he's a great running back, but the thing that I've liked about him more this year than probably previous years is the fact that he has been such a reliable target as a wide receiver out of the backfield and match him up with linebackers, whether he's running wheel routes or he, you kind of even see him sort of turn inside on, on the inside of the defense too where – all of a sudden, he's got that whole lane down the middle wide open. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that I, I think, however you want to play the quarterback position, is going to be a little bit more of that. You know, we always talk about the running backs being that safety valve, but being a little bit more than that. And so I, I think that that is going to be something to watch out for, just his overall role in this game. And the fact that they're playing the Falcons, look, the Falcons can score points. Um, they can't necessarily stop anybody, too. So this might not be the worst opponent kind of back to your point of maybe seeing both of these guys in where you do give Jameis uh, some series just to see how he operates in this offense. Look, Taysom Hill is used to coming in in spots of every football game. So it's not like, well, if you don't play Taysom Hill the entire game, you're going to take him out of his rhythm. The only thing I would say about that is they've, they signed Taysom Hill this year to essentially be the heir apparent to Drew Brees. At what point are we going to see Taysom Hill have a chance to take over the offense? Because Jameis Winston was not brought in to be the future of the Saints offense. It was Taysom Hill. The understanding is they like Taysom Hill a lot to eventually be the starting quarterback for the Saints. So the question is, when will we see him get that opportunity to run an entire game? Yeah, and I don't know if that's necessarily what they're going to do because they're in the hunt and they're 
They don't, yeah. you know, for Taysom Hill to, to be the guy in this offense, you completely change the, the mission statement of this offense, right? Um, I don't think that's what they're going to do. I think they're going to basically take it as like a um, special situation for the entire game. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kamara and the Wildcat, you know, with Taysom Hill split out. Yeah. There's a lot of motions. Um, Jameis Winston, Kamara, and Taysom Hill on the, on the field at the same time. Just going to be a mixed bag, and they're going to try to see what works as because they, they have a nice little lead in their division. Um, you know, they, they're playing against a team they should beat. Um, but, but we'll see how they, how it turns out. It's going to be different. We'll say that. Uh, some of the COVID news is we're kind of getting familiar with that every week. Uh, Miles Garrett is the latest uh, that has been put on the reserve COVID list for the Cleveland Browns. Now, the good news for the Cleveland Browns is they play the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, that's not a good team right now. But uh, Miles Garrett's a big part of that off, or I'm sorry, of that defense and what the Browns, a team that is definitely trending towards the playoffs and looking to kind of stay afloat there in the AFC North. Uh, this is something to watch for because we'll get to Andy Dalton here in a moment. But, you know, just because these guys are put on the COVID list, you think, okay, they're going to be fine. They're going to be just, they're going to be back in no time. They just need a couple negative tests and they'll be okay, which might be the case for Miles Garrett. You know, we've, we've seen a couple incidents where that hasn't been the case too. So the way that impacts this defense this weekend for a very desperate Philadelphia Eagles team might be something to watch. Yeah. And, and, uh, in fact, I'm going to show you, um, I'm actually taking the Eagles as my underdog this week. I'll explain that later. Just this is another um, step in there, taking Miles Garrett out of the game. Um, but, you know, the NFL has gone to pretty strict protocols. I think they call them intensive protocols. Mm -hmm. um, and this, they've had to do this when someone tests positive, and now they're just going to say you're into intense protocol all the time. And what that basically means is they're going to do social distancing, contact tracing, um, virtual meetings pretty much all the time now. And they're even, they even have to wear masks or face shields at practice. Yep. So, um, the NFL is tightening down as they should because they got a, a big product that needs to needs to keep going for it to be financially viable. Um, but they, I wouldn't be surprised if, if honestly, I, I think these teams might bubble up. Honestly, I, I don't see why the New York Giants don't take their guys and put them all in a hotel and say, yeah. we're renting this hotel for the next month. And we got these two floors. We'll get you everything. That might get to that point, especially given all the, the circumstances out there. So it's, it's interesting to watch. And I think that as you look at these gambling lines, um, it might be worth looking at guys who are in and out of the lineup and how it affects it. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm thinking the Browns are going to be hit hard with Miles Garrett out um, for an Eagles team that's getting everyone back. And you got yeah. the Raiders who have their whole defense in quarantine now. Now they're probably going to play, yeah. but you know they don't have to try practicing against getting ready for the Chiefs. Virtually. Right. You know, so this will affect things down the line. I, I'm not going to be surprised if, if a team that's way favored going into the end of the year of the playoffs ends up losing a game because they got key players on the COVID list. So it's that's crazy that I saw, you know, we, I think we even talked about it a couple of weeks ago too, or a couple of days ago too, that not just one, not just two, not just the linebacking core, not just the defensive line, the entire starting defense for the Las Vegas Raiders was on the reserve COVID-19 list. So you're thinking, my gosh, I mean, how do you adequately prepare for anybody, let alone the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, I think that's making it harder to handicap these games because I don't know how the Raiders are going to play after not practicing for a few days. Some some guys do great with it. Right? Yeah. There's been teams that have had position groups and guys out, and Ben Roethlisberger came back and played better than ever after not practicing. Well, the Tennessee Titans, they yeah. beat up on the Buffalo Bills after basically being out for two weeks. I mean, so, yeah, it, it can work to your advantage, but I'm with you. And if anything else, 
when you said maybe starting to bubble up, if anything else, I feel like the NFL might even do what the what Major League Baseball did in the postseason. Like, okay, let's get to week 17 or 18 if there is one, and let's make the playoffs strictly a bubble, you know, if not sooner. And I'm with you because of the number of cases now. What Major League Baseball didn't have to worry about is the rising cases throughout the country. There was really no, um, there's really no safe area right now in the country. Back with Major League Baseball's dealing with it, you had spots throughout the country it might force the NFL's hand to maybe try to do something that you're kind of referring to in that bubble situation earlier. But at the very least, Chris, I would think you got to go and think about the playoffs to, to, as you said, preserve that product and try to get to the finish line like the other leagues have been able to do. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see teams starting to self isolate, right. Mm -hmm. You know, let's say um, Cleveland Browns say, you know what, we decided that all the players are going to be remain with us for the remainder um, and I don't, you know, like I said, the league to dictate that might be hard, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of the more progressive thinking management and coaches staffs start doing that here, yeah. probably in December, I'd say after Thanksgiving, you're going to, you're going to probably see some of that. Uh, and kind of on, on those lines too, uh, we heard more from Andy Dalton, who was on the COVID-19 list. He had the concussion that put him on the sideline first and then got coronavirus. Uh, he talked about how it hit him hard. And that's the one thing, Chris, that we're probably still kind of learning about in athletics and especially in the sport of football is if you do get the coronavirus, the chances are very good, especially guys that are in the shape that they are and just athletes in general, whether we're talking about male or female athletes in general, the age uh, range that they're in, the stats are very good. The percentage is very good that you may not even have any symptoms whatsoever, but if you do have something kind of lingering as well, like a concussion, that's going to be something that's I think would be interesting to follow, at least in the short term to see if there is, if that kind of accelerates more symptoms or if that just, you know, having the coronavirus on top of concussion symptoms can really drag you down more to where you're talking about guys that are maybe experiencing those symptoms a little bit more severe or, you know, just from a pure competition standpoint are keeping guys out longer and are unable to pass concussion protocol because they have symptoms of the coronavirus as well. Well, and Cam Newton had it earlier this year. And, you know, there's been talk about him, him having a longer recovery than we anticipated too. Hasn't looked all that dynamic and fought through it. And, and so the long-term effects of this, like, like a lot of things aren't known yet, but um, you know, they're going to keep fighting through it and, and keep playing football games. Yeah. Yeah, said he's doing better now, but it hit, hit, it hit him hard, um, you know, right after he had the concussion, too. So uh, glad to know that he's trending in the right direction, as everybody who gets this thing, whether we're talking about athletes or anybody who gets it, you know, you just you just hope for the best. We always seem to talk about the competition part because, hey, that's what we're doing here on the podcast. But obviously, I think it goes without saying that we hope everybody is doing doing better uh, that does contract the coronavirus. So we got week 11 kicked off last night. It was a, a marquee matchup, a game that we were very excited to see. Didn't really disappoint either. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Seahawks winning this one. And really, I, I think this was the type of game that the Seahawks needed because I'll admit I had some doubt about this team, especially defensively. And that's what stood out to me the most in this one is given where Arizona's offense had was and how well they had been playing and how well Kyler Murray had been playing. I just did not have a lot of confidence that Seattle could stop them. Now I thought Seattle could keep up with Arizona, but not stop them defensively. And I know 28, 21 there, there's some points there, but given the, the way both of these teams are playing and given the way Seattle's defense was playing, I think this is a, a huge win for the Seahawks. I, I agree with you. Seattle did some things. 
really well last night. First and foremost, they ran the football. Getting Carlos Hyde back was huge for them. He had 79 yards, and in total between him and DJ Dallas and and their other running back, they had 164 yards rushing, which really evened out um, the game plan, uh, let them set the tempo. They, They had longer drives, and Kyler Murray just didn't heat up. He got a little banged up, might have a little shoulder. Um, they had some good stuff. Carlos Dunlap, who they traded for at the deadline, had two sacks, which which is helping them. And, you know, Jamal Adams is, is a big factor. I think he's kind of their X factor when it comes to running quarterbacks. As he's their spy. He's not a great coverage guy, but he is around the box a lot. And um, he, he's made a difference in there too. But, but the interesting trend that I think we're seeing, and we're going to see this throughout the year, happens every year, I think, is when you have division opponents that play each other for the second time, it's a much different game. You're, yeah. I, I wonder if the market sees this because I think this is the unders on the division games. Repeats are going to be low. The point scores are going to be low just because they know each other so well. You know, No one would have ever, ever expected it was kind of a snooze fest for a long time last night at that game. It's just because they're so familiar. Yeah. So as we go forward, I mean, these teams start playing each other again for the second time. Almost every time you see a much tighter game and a much low, much more low scoring game. So that trend continued last night. Um, Seattle is in a great position right now. What hurts them is I think they got some injuries, right? Uh, Greg Olson, I think ruptured his mm-hmm. um, something that's foot and they have a couple other guys down. So it, it's a matter of survival now, but they, they put themselves in a position to, to win the division and, and, and get a, a good favorable spot in the playoffs. The, you mentioned the running game for Seattle, and if your defense is struggling, they're not able to get off the field. The best recipe, as we know, is being able to control the clock, move the sticks, but also doing so with an adequate running game. Uh, Seattle possessed the football almost 10 more minutes overall than what the Cardinals did. That's huge. I mean, you look at those little things right there that, hey, defense, as long as they are not having to you know, play 80 to 90 snaps, uh, defense is struggling, you're, you're going to be able to minimize maybe some of those vulnerabilities that this defense has. I'm not trying to say Seattle's defense was fixed last night after the way that they played, but I think being on the field less definitely helped them. Uh, getting off the field on third down definitely helped them. And also Arizona, this is some of the growing pains that you still see from a team that is still relatively young and new under a new coach and a new franchise quarterback. A lot of penalties for Arizona. I think they had over 10 for over a hundred yards in this one too. So when you're playing a team like Seattle, a little more experienced, uh, especially on the sideline with Pete Carroll and what you have a quarterback too, those are the types of mistakes that you can just ill afford against a good team. So it just seemed like Seattle was a little bit overall more prepared for this moment than maybe what Arizona was. So I think it was, it was just a, it was an overall very good win and a good feel uh, for Seattle kind of coming back from what was a disappointing game against a good Buffalo Bills team. A little more maturity from Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson and their leaders than I think we saw from Arizona and, and that bodes well for them um, later in the season. You know, the the, the Cardinals have to develop that, but the Seahawks have that, which is why going forward to the playoffs, they're more of a favorite than Arizona is. Yep, definitely. So we look at some of the Sunday games and the noon slate. Uh, We already kind of made mention to that Eagles-Browns game, and I'll let you go ahead and kind of uh, give me your thoughts on why you like the Eagles as your underdog, because the latest I'm seeing is Cleveland is now a three-point favorite. I don't know if that's been adjusted uh, recently, but uh, Cleveland at home laying three against the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I, I like I like Philly in there. I, I saw Cleveland at three and a half um, on there. 
um, before. So I like, I got them at three and a half, which is, is where I'm going to pick them for my underdog. Um, Philadelphia plus three and a half. Um, I really like the Eagles in this because I think they're, they're due for a bounce back game. Now, don't get me wrong. I hate the Eagles, mm-hmm. but um, overall, but I, I just don't see how they're going to continue on this path because Miles, you know, they, they got a lot of good things going for them. They, they lost to the Giants last week, which was embarrassing. They got kind of called out by their coaching staff, but I think Miles Sanders ran the ball well. Carson Wentz, if you can take and just get him a read and let him make a play, he's fine. They don't have a lot of down the field um, plays that they can make, but they're very tough. They can run the ball. I think Cleveland, um, the, my first thought was this is going to be a weather game, but the weather forecast is softened now. Now they're saying it's going to be a really nice day, and this is the first time we're going to see Cleveland without OBJ when there's like a wide open game. Like the last couple of games, they've had to play in the wind, and that was their advantage. They're not going to have that advantage in this game. Um, and the last nail in the coffin, so to speak, was Miles Garrett, who's now isolated and not going to play this week. He's a huge factor. I, I think Philly's getting a lot of their players back. They got Lane Johnson back. They got some other linemen back. Um, I think they're just poised for a better game. I don't know if they win this game, but if I'm getting three and a half, which is where I picked them at, I will take Philly at plus as my underdog this week at plus three and a half. Yeah, Philadelphia has to seize the moment uh, with a little bit more of a shorthanded Cleveland Brown team because, look, you've got the Giants now all of a sudden breathing down your neck. All it takes is the ball to bounce favorably for the Dallas Cowboys, and then they could be back in it because the the NFC East is just so god-awful. And, I mean, let's face it, a team coming out of there as the division champion is still going to be most likely under 500, which is just for, you know, almost almost happened last year too. So, uh, yeah, I mean, anything that you can do to distance yourself from what is a weak division, Philadelphia has to do it. Uh, I am curious to see as they do get a little bit more right health wise, uh, if that can make an impact or is this team, is it, you know, kind of beyond repair? I mean, the, the truth of it is, and what everybody has to realize as much as, as much as there's some really good teams in the NFC, none of those teams reside in the NFC East. But unfortunately, one of those teams has to come out of that division and play in the playoffs. So that's just the reality of it. You're not going to be looking for pristine football out of that division. I think we already know what it is. But, hey, if you're Philadelphia, you're still a game up. This is still an opportunity for you to distance yourself from the Giants and even the Cowboys and uh, the Washington football team. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Falcons Saints, uh, again, we'll see who's starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. I, I Look, Atlanta, I feel like, you're just going to get better effort at the very least. And they're still offensively capable because of Matt Ryan, who is having a good year throwing the football. His numbers are pretty good. And a lot of that's probably because Julio Jones was able to get healthy a little while back, but they're always going to present that type of challenge. It's again, defensively can they stop you do they have the confidence in the fourth quarter to either stave off a rally or to come back on their own I don't know but I just feel like they're a little bit more comfortable in their skin as opposed to earlier in the year where they not that they did not like Quinn but it was more of a just didn't feel like everything was moving in the right direction I just feel like they're in a better place so that's going to present an issue and the spread in this one is not huge new orleans is a three or three and a half point favorite so i i don't know if if it's going to be coming down to who's playing quarterback for the saints this game i guess what i'm trying to get to bober is i could see this thing kind of being pesky for the saints i i do too i this line has moved from minus seven to minus three and a half um 
there was people when I heard recent stuff when they said that the line that the line didn't move enough, right? It's like, okay, right. Drew Brees is worth four to five points of a spread now. And it's kind of adjusted here. Last I heard it yesterday, it was about five. It went down to three and a half, which is probably where it mm-hmm. should be. But there's a lot of money coming in on Atlanta here um, just because they're more of on a roll. They, they can score some points. And they just don't know what they're going to get on New Orleans. I, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't bet this because I have no idea um, how an offense is going to function with Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, whatever they're going to do. Um, it should be really interesting to see the what it, what New Orleans can do in this game. We know what Atlanta can do, but I don't know what I don't know how New Orleans can can function without Drew Brees, and we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, Bengals, Washington football team, uh, two teams kind of struggling record wise, but two teams that as of late have shown signs of life. Uh, Washington is actually a favorite in this one by a point and a half. Uh, this thing wouldn't shock me by the time we get to kickoff is essentially a pick'em game or a one point game uh, either way. But look, don't, don't let the records fool you. And I know the outside the Bengals and Washington fan base, not a lot of people are going to pay attention to this game. But these are two teams that are at least finding some positives on what has not been a very positive season. Yeah, they're very evenly matched um, overall, I, I would think, because Cincinnati with Joe Burrow is is just kind of a wild card at all times. Yeah. And then they really got embarrassed last time. Um, so I, I think that they're, they're poised for kind of a bounce back. Um, but then Washington has, you know, gosh, Alex Smith – is kind of a resurgence, right? And and they've kind of gotten the right direction with that. So both of these teams are kind of it's hard to pick what they're what they're going to get out of them, right? I I just don't know how much Joe Burrow bounces them back. I think the other thing with Washington is they they have such a great defensive front versus Cincinnati's offensive line, which is just is horrible. You know that's hurting them big time. So I, I think it's a very even game. Um, I, if I had to lean, I'd probably lean towards Joe, Joe Burrow honestly because I think he's going to. Yeah, me too. He's been held down. He didn't have a good good time last time. I think they're coming off a bye, I believe. Um, and I would expect him to kind of come out and, and, and sling it about a little bit. Just his personality uh, leads to that, I think. An intriguing game that I'm, I'm looking at next is the Lions and the Panthers because with the Chicago Bears loss to the Vikings, the Vikings are now four and five. The Bears have now come back down to five and five. And the Lions are four and five. And also, if you look at Green Bay's opponent this weekend, Green Bay could come back a game if the Colts, good defense, uh, if the Colts can pull off the win against the Packers, all of a sudden, if you're the Lions, you got a shot, at least to put yourself in the playoff picture, as do the Minnesota Vikings. And the Lions could be going up against a Panther team that A, has no Christian McCaffrey and might not have Teddy Bridgewater. This could be a Will Greer game for the Panthers. Uh, the Lions are a slight favorite of two and a half points. Look, the Lions, we kind of left them for dead. We, I'm, I'm assuming Matt Patricia does not hold on to his job, but they've got a great opportunity here to make things really jumbled up there in the NFC North, and I think they have a chance. To, I think they can do it. Yeah, and you're looking at a, a Carolina team. I think I think Bridgewater's out. Honestly, I think they're it's really trending that way. I don't know if they called it yet. Yeah, they, uh, there's no status. They said he wasn't wearing a red jersey yesterday, but nobody else was. So they're they're just trying to read the tea leaves here. But I, I'm with you. I just get the feeling like he's not going to play. Yeah. So that so then it, you know with them at about three, I think that then the money starts moving over on Detroit. 
Um, so I think, I think Detroit's in a good spot here. Carolina's going to be hurting. I think they were hurting without McCaffrey, mm -hmm. but without Bridgewater, it's, it's going to be a tough, tough, tough day out there. And Detroit's playing better football. Yeah, they are. They absolutely are. Um, this was interesting. Mike Tomlin was just giving the Jacksonville Jaguars the, I mean, the, he was giving them the most praise you could ever give a one and eight team. And this is Mike Tom. I mean, we love Mike Tomlin because he's, he's a guy that kind of, he's just real with everyone, but I think he understands two weeks ago, maybe not giving Dallas enough credit or at least publicly doing so. And that almost came back and bought uh, bit them in the butt uh, last week. Uh, the Steelers looked much better. They, they took care of business. They, they handled the Bengals very well. Uh, this week, you get another team that record-wise, it's not great. Uh, you want to make sure that your team is coming off of a, a divisional win a week ago and not fall into that same trap that you almost did against the Cowboys. So I think, as we always talk about gamesmanship, I think Mike Tomlin probably looks at the weapons or lack thereof that Jacksonville has and is not going to let his team focus on that. He's going to use this more of a, hey, Dallas almost beat us and they have a similar record. We cannot let Jacksonville, you know, we can't play down to Jacksonville's level. Yeah, Jacksonville, right now they're 10 and a half point underdogs. And there's a, a lot of people who are saying, you know what, that might be a good spread at them plus 10 and a half, just because you got to remember Pittsburgh's playing Baltimore on Thursday. Yep. Right. So they got, they might be looking ahead a little bit. They might be okay with coming out there and just getting a win. Um, if I had to lean, I would lean a Jacksonville 10 and a half uh, just because they're not great. But I think the Steelers are, are they got to kind of, you know, gear down a little bit because they got a big game against Baltimore Thursday. So it might be worth looking at Jacksonville there um, with that 10 and a half point spread. Uh, next game, we're looking at the Titans and the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens are a six and a half point or I'm sorry, five and a half point favorite uh, at home against the Titans. I would, this one, I was actually initially looking at the Titans and possibly being the underdog, but I just do not have any faith in their defense, especially on third down. It's the worst third down defense in the league. And that does not bode well when you're going up against a Baltimore offense that can get you in some third, third and predictable, but also some third and manageables where you have a quarterback that is going to be able to maybe hurt you with his arm, but also hurt you with his legs. I, I just, I cannot roll with Tennessee there. Maybe a month ago, I would have easily taken Tennessee. I like what Tennessee can do offensively in this game. I just don't trust their defense. So I'm staying away from this one. I think Baltimore probably is on the right side of this thing. Yeah. And the, the look ahead line started out about six and a half on Baltimore, which gives you pretty good value for Tennessee because it's not going to be a, a shoot them out game, right? Neither of these teams are super exciting. They both like to run the ball. Baltimore is one of the best. And of course, Alex, I mean, um, Henry, Derek Henry is one of the best out there. So um yeah, I don't know where this goes either. It, it's the lines moved down to five, uh, so if you if you could have got Baltimore at six and a half, yeah, I think, I think Tennessee was a good play, but there, it's more of a, an adjustment here. Period. But these are two teams that um, we had high aspirations in the AFC, and I think what they've really shown is that they are not good against good teams. Yeah, record wise, they're fine. Six and three is great, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Against the the marquee opponents, you're like, nah, well, no faith. So it's a very even game. If, it, if it's a very yeah. even game, I mean, Tennessee might be still be a great player here points wise because neither team's going to blow you away, honestly. So um, I think this is going to be a good game to see which one of these is, is a step ahead of the other one. And, and, you know, this is a little bit of a revenge game for Baltimore because Tennessee's who knocked them yeah. out last year. So both of the, these teams need this win and we'll see who can get it. 
Uh, next game, the Patriots-Texans. New England is a two-point favorite on the road against the Houston Texans. And great win for New England last weekend. Um, look, the Patriots are always going to have something in them, even if they're, you know, having a quote down year. They're below 500. But, uh, I mean, they're, they're still always going to be well-coached, well-prepared for whoever they played. And you got to be when you're going up against a good quarterback like Deshaun Watson. So, uh, again, I'm not going to use this game as any of my picks, but I, I would – if I had to pick, I would say I like New England against Houston because unfortunately for Houston, they just they cannot maximize anything they have offensively other than Deshaun Watson. And even with Will Fuller, it's just not it's not amounting to, to as much as they'd like it like it to. And I, I love New England in the spot only at only at a. Um... Uh, minus two here. They've definitely shown they have a, a system for what they do, right? They run the football. They try to play defense. And I think it's a really good matchup for them because one thing Houston cannot do is stop the run. They get ran over. So um, I think New England controls controls this game. It has a lot of good tempo. I don't expect much from Cam um, and New England does get creative, but I think that they match up really well on the defensive side too, because their defensive backfield is as good as it gets. Yeah. And does and and that's matching up with the strength of Houston. So, um, New England's in a great spot here. I think I think them at minus two is a great number. I, I would I'm not, I don't know if I'm taking them as, as my best bet, but they're close. I think it's a good spot for New, New yeah. England to, to come up with a big win. Uh, my game that I am taking the favorite in is our next one, Miami Denver. If this game was brutal conditions and just you know typical Denver in November or December. Uh, yeah, I'd probably like Denver to keep this thing tight. I, I just love the way Miami's playing it. It's not because of the quarterback change to Tagovailoa. I cannot stress it enough. It's their defense. I think their defense is absolutely for real. And I think as that defense continues to make plays and continues to set up the offense in good field position, it's helping a young quarterback like Tagovailoa slowly but surely gain confidence in and have his moments of effectiveness. And against a Broncos defense back early in the season, you would say this could be problematic for a young quarterback and Vic Fangio scheming against him, which I, I still think they'll have something for, for Tua. I just love Miami's defense right now. The fact that they're not going to have to play in any really brutal conditions in Denver. Uh, they are a three and a half point favorite is what I'm seeing Miami is right now. I'm going to take Miami to win this one by a touchdown at least. Well, it's very interesting because how, how money's moved this line because Denver started as a one point favorite. Yeah. When they look ahead, um, it's gone four and a half points all the way over to Miami and with nothing other than really Miami, just people believing a lot more in them. Mm -hmm. Now, Drew Locke against Miami's defense might be five interceptions. I mean, because yeah. I loves to just turn the ball over. So I, lo I love Miami's defense and fantasy play this weekend. Yeah. If, if they're available. Yeah. But mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, right there. There's a lot of people who think that that line moved too far. Right. So we'll see how, how it comes out. I, I Here's what I want to see. And I don't know if we're going to see it here. I want to see Tua in a game where he has has some adversity, right? He's been really – he's had it teed up to be, mm -hmm. I guess, yeah. easy. But their defense and special teams has given him great comfort. So what's going to happen in a game where, where it doesn't go his way? Yeah. Probably won't be against Denver. But, what you know, let's see what kind of stones he's got. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's see what happens when he's got him. He's getting hit and he has to make some plays. So um, that is the – the jury's still out on him for that, but – you know, we'll see how we'll see how this line at three and a half works. Uh, Jets, Chargers, uh, the Jets two and seven jet or I'm sorry, Jets. Oh, and nine. The Chargers two and seven. Uh, this one is actually favoring the Chargers by almost 10 points. Nine and a half is where I've seen this thing last. 
Um, how can the Chargers be favored by nine and a half? I, I, they, it's indicative of the Jets, man. The Jets are terrible. We know that. I don't. I but, think this is too big, and I don't like laying big lines. But geez, I mean, the Jets. Are you tempted? My, are you tempted? Well, to I'm, go not, for I'm not. I'm not picking them. But if I had to lean, okay. I would lean on the Jets, honestly, because I don't think the Chargers are that good. Oh wait, you already taken the Eagles for your for your under. So oh, my underdog is the Eagles, but I. I gosh, the Jets would be a good spot here too, because nine and a half is a big point. But I don't trust the Jets at all. I just yeah. Do I trust the Jets that much less than I trust the Chargers? I don't know. At, at nine and a half, I just don't. It's it's really hard to say that they're going to. Well, go. it's 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 insane to say I think the Chargers will cover nine and a half against anybody. It's equally as insane to say I think the Jets will cover. Give me some points. I think the Jets will actually cover a spread, unless it's like twenty-one points. So I mean, <laughs> damned if you do, damned if you don't on this one, right? Just stay away yeah, from it. I will stay away from it. It's just too, it's like too tempting. It's like the sirens, right? They're calling me. Right. It's, it's too tempting. It's too good to be true. And does anybody even care? I mean, it, no. I mean, I, hell, I don't even know if Jets fans care about this game. I don't know. I think they're room for the Chargers. So I know. A better draft pick. They got to get Lawrence or Fields as their future quarterback so they can trade uh, <laughs> Sam Darnold so he won't see ghosts in New York anymore. Um, big one here, Packers Colts. I, I really am intrigued by this game. And, a, and actually, Indianapolis is a slight favorite in this one, one and a half points. The, the things that I'm looking for in this game is the Packers offense is – obviously always capable with Aaron Rodgers. And I think a big part of this is them being able to be able to kind of utilize not only the running game with Jones, but their passing attack, which is something that I think is always kind of hit or miss when you kind of look at what they've had available. Uh, The injury report though has been very, and I'm looking at Rob Domofsky's uh, latest tweet right now. And you look at their injury report. Alan Lazard is limited participation. He had that core injury, had the surgery on the core injury. Alan Lazard, if he plays in this game, I think that's huge for this offense because he's not a speedster. He's not somebody that's going to, you know, blow by coverage, but he is such a reliable target. Guys like that, Aaron Rodgers loves to have at his disposal. So I think if Alan Lazard plays, that is a huge boost for this offense. But Chris, my, my biggest concern is I don't like Green Bay's defense at all. And even with Phillip Rivers, who is a, you know, mistake, waiting to happen they can run the football they can do something special with that offensive line to where kind of like what we saw seattle do last night if they can run the ball and chew up clock and own the time of possession that's going to frustrate green bay because we know that indianapolis defense is capable so i I, i'm not sure how this one's going to go i just think this is going to be a great matchup but keep your eye on the injury report because if alan lazard is uh, participating in this game, if he's a, if he's actually going to be a big factor, I think that votes very well for Green Bay. Yeah, and I, I was ready to pick Green Bay as my underdog this week until I saw the injury report, and it's not just Lazard. Devontae Adams' ankles acting up, mm-hmm. and, and I see guys all over this injury report: Mercedes Lewis, Irvin, Tanyan. I'm telling you what, they Jair Alexander questionable a corner. I, yeah, you know, I think that just evens this game out. Plus, it's in Indianapolis, so I mean, this line has moved four points too. It started out with um, Indianapolis as a two and a half point underdog. And now they're a favorite by a point and a half. So yep. that moved a lot. Um, I think it's based on the injuries, you know? Yeah. I, if, if Green Bay is healthy, I, I think they win this game. I just don't know if they're going to. I'm with you. I, I think they do, but that's the thing you got to follow all the way up until kickoff is and who's Indy's in, who's out. Indy has gotten healthy. They got all their guys back. They can't mm-hmm. really run the ball that much, but they got all the receivers back. I, I look forward to a good football game. Uh, the Cowboys Vikings, 
I, I'm tempted to take this one as my under. I'm not going to do it. Um, I'm going to actually go with the Monday night game, but the pack, or I'm sorry, the Cowboys Vikings, the Vikings at seven people are falling in love with the Vikings because they have beat up a couple bad teams and one very good team. They beat Green Bay running the football. Uh, they were able to win the, the last week's game, that ugly Monday night game against a, a terrible Chicago Bears offense. And a game that if the Bears even play average offense, they win that football game. I do not like Minnesota's defense at all. Uh, don't let it fool you. But the, the thing that works well is that the Cowboys are rolling in QB three and four. So, uh, you know, is, is anything going to improve? I, I don't know. Can the Cowboys defense, can they neutralize Dalvin Cook? I don't think the Cowboys can do what the Chicago defense did. So at the end of the day, Minnesota very well could cover this spread, but I do think seven points in this one is a bit much for a team that I think is trending in the right direction, but you have to consider the last two weeks who they have beaten it, not very good competition. Yeah. I think the biggest factor to me is, is Andy Dalton. Is he going to play this week? If, mm -hmm. if you throw Andy Dalton in there, I liked, I like Dallas as an underdog. Um, because, at least covering, right? Yeah, I do like him. I don't like him to win the game, but I like yeah. him as an underdog because they do have some weapons, right? And it, and it's going to be a close game. Um, and it's and it's going to be in the second half a team can maybe pull away, and Andy Dalton is going to keep that game close. I think where Minnesota, will, if he's not in there, and and Dallas is punting a bunch, I think Dalvin Cook just chews him up. So. Um, the great equalizer for for Dalvin Cook would be Dallas moving the change, and I, I only think yep. they do that with 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 Andy Dalton. Zeke has got it. Zeke's got to be Dalvin, basically, right? Yeah, but he hasn't been because he doesn't have the old line this year, and he's yeah. he, he's like he's not quite as explosive. Um, maybe it's the old line. Maybe he's got a little something going on, but he's not quite as explosive as Dalvin Cook is this year. Uh, the Sunday night game, as we all know, it is going to be the Raiders and the Chiefs. <laughs> Who's going to come out for the uh, Raiders defense? We don't know that. Uh, Chiefs are an eight-point favorite. I, I really do like uh, Kansas City in this spot because there's the motivating factor. Look, mm -hmm. the, the Raiders beat them. The Chiefs are a good enough team to actually do something about that. Uh, we don't know what the, the Raiders are going to look like uh, defensively, too. That cannot make John Gruden uh, very comfortable right now unless it's just a, a something that they're supremely confident that they will have all those guys back. I don't know. Look, I just, I'm not picking this game. I already took the, the dolphins as a favorite, but if I put like the second or third game in my confidence level, I would probably put the chiefs to cover this because I just feel really good about them. Yeah. I mean, big lines are hard, hard to cover here. I would lean towards the chiefs as well. Um, the biggest factor for me is, is the chiefs are coming out of a bye, and they got some players back and yeah. Andy Reid always wins after a bye. Um, Chiefs are kind of geared up to make a little bit of a run here, and they would mm -hmm. love to start that against the Raiders. Now, the Raiders need this game more than the Chiefs do, very much so, because if they get if they lose this game, they're in the uh, looking out on the outside looking in for the yeah. playoff hunt. Um, there's, there's a little bit of a desperation on that side of it, but the Chiefs just are pretty loaded right now. So I, I can almost guarantee they win this game. Eight's a tough line, but they, there's a lot of people coming in saying they could, they could beat him at eight. So, go Chiefs. The game that I am taking the under is the Monday night game because maybe it's fool's gold or maybe they just are starting to peak at the right time. But I, I look at the Los Angeles Rams 
Uh, they are a four-point dog the last I saw. And I just think that their defense is going to harass Tom Brady. Aaron Donald, and, and Brady knows this. He, I mean, this is, I mean, for, for Tom Brady, this is a Super Bowl rematch from a couple of years ago and one of the most boring Super Bowls ever. And I think Tom Brady understands what he's going to see out of this defense. The question is, uh, can they do anything about it? Because the Patriots offensive line in that game was a little bit more equipped than what the Buccaneers offensive line is in this particular matchup. And as much as I talk about Aaron Donald and as much as it pains me to say this as a Chicago Bears fan, but Leonard Floyd, who was a Chicago Bear, now is with the Rams. He's already got seven sacks. So there's guys like him that are now starting to really benefit from the attention that Aaron Donald's getting. That defense, what they did against the Seahawks a week ago, I thought was very impressive. I know there's a little bit more spread out weapons for the Bucs. I just, I, again, I'm just going to say, who, and the Bucs have a good defense too. Don't get me wrong. I'm just going to take the defense that I think is better in this one and a Bucks team that has shown a, a, a from time throughout this year, major inconsistencies. And now you got another mouth to feed with Antonio Brown. I, I just feel like this is all showing up Rams on Monday night. And even if they lose a the game, give me the, give me the four points. I'm going to take the Rams. Well, this is going to be fun because you and I are going to go head to head on this. Cause I'm, I'm taking Tampa. All right. I, I love the matchup for Tampa here. I really do. I, th- first of all, Aaron Donald has played Brady multiple times has never sacked him. Right. Something about it. I don't know what it is. That was the same thing with that- Foles that he finally got Foles this year too. So, I mean, this yeah. is the year for Donald to get those first sacks. <laughs> well, here, here's my, here's my matchups here. Right. So I think that Tampa on offense is going to be okay. I, I think it's going to be tough, but they've shown that they can run the ball. They got some guys back and they got, they do spread you out. So you can't like lock in on them. Um, I think they'll take Jalen Ramsey and probably put him on Godwin, uh, maybe even Mike Evans. And then Brady's really good at distributing. We'll see if those lead to touchdowns, although he's good at that. I think the biggest matchup for Tampa is against the Rams offense, right? Jared Goff needs the run game to get going. And you'll remember that we got that Tampa has a couple of linebackers that can really run sideline to sideline. They are great against the run. Um, the, outside zone, the outside zone, which is how they run their offense. They basically take and hand it off as wide as they can. And the line gets to running and the back picks his way through there. The Rams, I mean, the, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can stop that. They are built to stop that. That's why those guys are, are so fast. They do that. And then you're going to put Jared Goff in predictable third down situations where he has to throw the ball. He's not been good at that. And, and you got to remember who's calling the plays over there for Tampa, right? He loves to blitz. They love to blitz. And Jared Goff is horrible against the blitz. So I'm just seeing this, these things line up. Plus LA has to go all the way to Tampa to play this game. I just think I, I, I like them way better at three. I'll still take them at four. Cause we're going to go, well, heads up action here, but I think though for that reason, the, those those matchups favor Tampa. I, I I like at the end of the game, Tampa winning winning the game, um, maybe killing it with winning by four, maybe perfect. I mean, I like to win by by you know four is a tough number. I don't like four as good as I like three when I first saw it, but I will still I'll stick with Tampa because we'll see what happens. I I feel weird putting eggs in the basket of Jared Goff because I've been very outspoken that I'm not a huge Jared Goff fan, but I, I, I know that in the right game plan, 
the things that they do is kind of very similar to what Tom Brady and the Patriots offense would do. And that is, you know, just kind of nickel and diming down the field, you know, using guys like Cooper cup and being able to do that part of it, use the running backs in the passing game too. I, I feel like with, and you're right. I think the amount of pressure that Jared Goff is, it should be anticipating all week in preparation for this. I think that is a, a situation where Sean McVay will try to put him in better situations offensively, because you're right. If it comes down to just Jared Goff, flat out having to make some big time throws. Yeah. Advantage Tampa Bay. I'm looking at it more of Sean McVay trying to put Jared Goff in better positions and anticipating the kind of pressure that he's going to see. And, and we'll find out because I think both of these defenses are very good. I just like, I like the Rams defense a little bit better. And I think they have a huge boost of confidence with what they did against a good Seattle offense a week ago, but it's a week to week thing. So we'll see, but I'm glad we're finally, you know, a little rivalry here. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see which time. Brady shows up, honestly, because yeah. he, he's been like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, honestly. If yeah. Brady shows up, that's precise. That is, it, that'll bode really well for them. If he's just a frustrated kind of Brady that we saw a couple weeks ago, um, a guy get the Saints did that to him, then that's a different story. So um, it'll be interesting, though, to see what we got. We got to wait all the way to Monday night to figure this out. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> all right, we got a big state championship game tonight, too. Aurora and your Elkhorn Antlers, your boy, his final game, too. This is awesome. I, You know what? I, I was telling you before we uh, got rolling, I love that the games are actually on campus sites. I mm-hmm. hate the fact, and I understand, but I hate the fact that you can't have a full house because of COVID. I get it. But some of my favorite uh, state championship games watching was before games went to Memorial Stadium where you could have just like standing room only. Uh, but it, it is, hey, it's, it's great that they're going to be able to finish this season, going to be able to have these state championships. And for you, your family, and for Austin, this is, this is so cool to see him be able to end his high school football career in a state championship setting, man. Yeah, it's, it's so fun. Um, we've had so many people just from our past reach out from all over the country, just from my football days. And guys, my Giants buddies who remember when Austin was born. And I mean, yeah. all the guys around everywhere are pulling for him and the antlers and, and we're excited. We know it's the last game um, and we're going to give everything we got. And hopefully we are celebrating. We're going to celebrate no matter what, but hopefully yeah. we're celebrating the state title. And we're, we're, we're really just celebrating that we got 13 games in. I mean, back in July, we didn't know if we'd have any. And, and yeah. thank, thank you to all the people who, who worked hard to, to put it together. And after Friday night, there might not be sports for a couple months, but we're yep. going to get Friday night. We're going to get tonight, and then we're going to do whatever. We're going to enjoy it. Is there a line on this game? I don't think there's a line. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think that's just, that's, that's too much for me. The line, the line will be me getting in there, waiting to get in there when it opens. All right. I'll call, I'll call Antonio uh, from the barbershop, see if I can get a little side action on I'm on sure some, the barbershop some- have it. Some class A, class B, and class C state championship games. All right. Well, tell uh, to send Austin and the Elkhorn Antlers all our best. We're, we're pulling for them. And uh, congrats to you guys on, on what has been a really cool opportunity to see not only this year, but his entire career. I'm sure that's that's got to be special as a, as a very proud father for you. Yep. What a great experience. So we'll be out there and um, we'll just see you here. Come back next week. See, if, see who's right. See if we're winners and we'll go from there. All right. Sounds good. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the, the weekend action. All right, man. Bye-bye. See ya.